Hey, this is Seth Scruggs, co-host of Rewatch. We're very excited to announce that we are going to be premiering a short film called Five Minutes. It was directed by me, and it was produced and written by Zachary Vaughn. We shot it back in December, and we're getting ready to release it on August 28th at 6 p.m. It will be premiering on YouTube as a live premiere. Uh, you can find all the information on Instagram at MarkSpotsTheX Productions. Following the premiere of the film, we are going to be hosting a live Q&A at 6.15 uh, where we're going to talk about the film and you can come out and ask us questions and we'll be excited to answer them. August 28th at 6pm with a Q&A following at 6.15, the premiere of 5 Minutes, a short film by Seth Scruggs and Zachary Vaughn. Hey, and welcome to Rewatch. My name is Seth Scruggs. This is the show about movies we love and movies that we haven't seen yet. Each week, I'm joined by my co-host, Zachary Vaughn. Hello. And we pick a movie that one of us has seen and the other hasn't, and then we watch it and talk about it, and that's that's basically it. Um, uh, this week, we're talking about a movie called When Harry Met Sally. Now, just a little preface before we get started. Um, this movie deals with some adult themes. <laughs> Uh, and we will probably talk about those, I would assume. Um, I haven't outlined the conversation, but I would assume that at some point we're going to talk about them. Uh, so it may not be quite as uh, family-friendly as some of our previous stuff. Just putting that out there uh, for everyone. Let's hop in to When Harry Met Sally. It is a 1989 romantic comedy. I think really the romantic comedy that kind of defines what a romantic comedy is for the last 20, 30 years or so, um, in my own personal opinion. It was written by Nora Ephron. It was directed by Rob Reiner. It stars Billy Crystal, Meg Ryan, and Carrie Fisher. Uh, it, yeah, it's a great time. It's about two friends, Harry and Sally, surprisingly. And they've known each other for years. They're best friends. Uh, but they are afraid that sex will ruin their friendship. It kind of raises a core question of can men and women actually be friends? That's kind of what the movie is known for is that it, it calls into question, can men and women actually be friends? Or is that just like, can it not happen? Zach, this was your first time seeing the movie? Yes. So tell me, tell me some thoughts. My first thought is it's a ridiculous concept. Growing up in the area and the culture that I grew up in, it's a very it's much it's a much less sexualized culture that I grew up in. Um and so to me that was a it was a little rough from that aspect to be like, okay, really this is an outlandish this is this is a little excessive. It's like, duh, been. yeah, men and women can be friends. I, I've had female friends my whole life. Exactly, yeah. Like, um, and, like, not that, like, the content of the movie was ridiculous. I just, the, the claim that can men and women be just friends without sex, like, to me, that's an obvious yes, very much. Yep. Um, but getting that out of the way at the beginning, um, I loved it. 
it's the kind of movie i mean it, it just made me feel good at the end like mm-hmm. it, it it takes a lot to for a movie to leave me all warm and fuzzy at the end and this did that for me mm-hmm. um billy crystal is a genius He's what a man incredible um i loved just how cynical he was <laughs> um and how straightforward and interesting fact about what you just said and then somehow bringing it back to being dark and depressing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and then the amazing contrast of um meg ryan who was this uh perky blonde um nothing bad really happens to her and then when it does um (laughs) But yeah, it, it was really good. The contrast of the two um, actors and characters. Um, There's a whole lot of really good situational comedy in it. Um, one of my favorite parts was when um, Harry was talking with his friend at the, I think, Mets game. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> there he's, he's talking about how his wife was cheating on him and he's getting a divorce. And they're doing the wave the entire time while they're having this really depressing conversation. And it was just, it was just really, really funny. Yeah. I think that Nora Ephron movies, you mentioned, you talked about it being like a, like a warm hug. Nora Ephron movies just have that kind of ability. Is this, have you seen anything else from her? I'm not sure. I'm looking it up. Yeah. So she did like Julie and Julia. She did, you've got mail sleepless in Seattle Oh, um, okay. I've seen a few others, I saw, but I saw you've got mail a while ago. Yeah, and it, she just she has this way of writing that I think at least feels very uh very much in that like warm cozy. Like she's able to make something that is sweet and genuine without being like too saccharine and too like really like that was too sappy that was too gross like the end of you've got mail um is sappy uh i guess my fiance and i are sort of going on a little bit of a Nora Ephron binge we watched winter and met sally together and then we also watched you've got mail together and so i i'm very steeped in Nora Ephron at the moment uh and you've got mail is a little bit sappier at the end but really like she's able to write these characters that feel fleshed out and feel genuine and i feel like every romantic comedy that i've seen that aren't her movies are just trying to like imitate that yeah that's that sounds about right um un- unless it's a um unless it's a judd apatow movie then it's just all over that's a that's a whole different yeah. kind of comedy um i think i think the comedies that are i think what makes part of what makes her comedies so good is that she's rooted in the characters she's rooted in like what's funny about their lives and she's trying to answer a lot of times she's trying to answer central questions but she uh she doesn't get she's not trying to be too sweet or too romantic she's just writing and she lets the romance and stuff come out naturally where, you know, it, she's not trying to contrive something. I, I don't know. It feels so much more genuine and real as opposed to – it feels like a, the romance is just an element of right. the movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? 
I think that's what it comes down to is for her romance is just an element of the film. Even though like it is the purpose of the film mm-hmm. in the long run, like that is what they yeah, are. It, it feels like when Harry met Sally isn't about their relationship. It's about, well, I mean, it is, it isn't about them falling in love. It is about their relationship. It is about mm-hmm. the 10 years that they've, well, I guess 12 years that they've known each other and how each of them grows and deteriorates on their own and grows and deteriorates with each other. Yeah. And it also goes back to that central question of like, can men and women be friends? Um, Which is proposed at the beginning of the movie, which is funny because the movie proposes an answer, which is no. Yeah. They can't. I mean, one of the things um, and a lot of screenwriting books that I've read is they say, like, make a statement doesn't matter if it's right or wrong but make a statement and hit that statement home like as long as as long as you pursue that goal and tell it in a believable way then it works you just have to commit to the statement yeah and i think they did yeah i think that and i think again that's what's so effective about the movie um talking i mean structurally while we're there i think that the Efron does something very interesting or Reiner or someone whoever whoever made this decision uh did some really interesting things with the interviews about how how these couples met um obviously those interviews are interesting in and of themselves and that's that's one thing but also they're interesting in the sense that they are uh they they act as these like breaks in the film um and i and i don't i couldn't tell you off the top of my head how many there are but i think that that i think that's an interesting story choice um to spread it out like that what do you think yeah i think um it's almost like um the um raindrops keep falling on my head or um new york photo montage from um Mm -hmm. butch cassidy and the Mm -hmm. sundance kid where i mean it's very different in this case because i'm pretty sure it's it splits the big like the time jumps doesn't it i feel like it splits yeah it does it splits a couple of time jumps um but i think that there's also a couple like thematic almost yeah jumps that it that they it's almost i mean kind of like butch cassidy and the sundance kid it almost works as act breaks um Mm -hmm. although there might be a few more than there are acts Mm -hmm. yeah i think i think it'd be interesting to talk about that uh, because there are it does feel like there's more than one act in that sense of um the story being like any story shift being an act um and and i think that yeah i think that what's cool about those uh interviews specifically is that they kind of um they provide some sense of like the thematic push of the movie of like how do what does it take for people to fall in love like can we be friends like that kind of thing um which i would 
argue that probably what does it take to fall in love would probably be a better way to sum up the theme than to talk about the central question that they kind of propose in the in the movie but that's that's a whole other conversation i think um but i think these the interviews really allow for a trying to find the right word they they allow to like drive home that point of like what does it take to fall in love while also giving us like time to like process what's happening because you could easily jump from they're in the car he gets out airport done you know five five years later whatever and then you know another five years and so on i but i think just having those interviews there it breaks it up it adds i think to the comedy of the movie um because those are like those are very memorable scenes and and those are and they're enjoyable um but that but it also just adds i think to the the experience of the movie as a whole and not being afraid to like know that you're in yeah. a movie um one thing i thought of while we were talking about the the interviews do you think when harry met sally might be done in the five act structure probably i was thinking about that too i think i think it's probably structured in five acts because it's definitely it's um, definitely i i wouldn't know off yeah the top it's of my definitely head. broken up into more than three chunks which mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you can do that and it still be three acts but um i would say because of specifically the time jumps as well that helps more securely place it into the five act structure yeah it's it's like a yeah i would almost describe it more like five movements where it's like five sections and then to in total you have three story acts of like here's how the story progresses yeah if that makes sense also on that note i think that it's i think that having those interviews and having Harry and Sally at the end in that interview sums like caps the movie perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost like um, the movie, like they're what you see of them before their interview is a visualization of them explaining how they met in mm-hmm. the interview. And all of this was really just mm-hmm. showing what they were talking about definitely yeah i think that it it just it drives that that home really well one of the things i really liked um was how they used split screen um Mm -hmm. which was not a simple task in the 1980s (laughs) um no because it was shot on film you couldn't just slide the video over you had to cut pieces out and tape them together. Not specifically tape. You There's a different process. But, mm-hmm. and they did it so wonderfully. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I, I loved, the first one was my favorite because both, from both angles, it's uh, a front and back both angles made it look like they were sitting either sitting next to each other on the couch or laying next to each other on the bed. And I thought that was mm-hmm. so cool 
that it meshed so perfectly that the set design, um, even though they were obviously different, like the lights, the lighting was different and the colors were different. The set design almost perfectly blended into each other. And it was just really cool to see how well it was done. Yeah, Rob Reiner pays very, very close attention to detail. And I feel like he's not necessarily a person that you think about when you think pays close attention to detail just because his movies are not not those kind of movies. You know, they're not like the meticulous Wes Anderson kind of movies. He's not he would not be considered an auteur, I don't think. But one of the things that I like about Rob Reiner's movies, especially his comedies, he is not afraid to like let you know that you're in a movie. He is I don't think in a single movie, maybe other than a few good men, where he has really gone for realism. And and this movie is no different. You know, Princess Bride feels like a fairy tale. It feels like a fairy tale in the way it's shot. It feels like a fairy tale in the production design. It feels like a fairy tale in the characters. It feels like a, you know, that's what it is. When Harry met Sally, he's not trying to just accurately depict every bit of their lives. He wants to have fun with it. And part of that is the split screen. Yeah, it's just so, so well done. I think that's another one of those elements that is people have tried to emulate and it just hasn't worked. Well, I think that's partly because they're emulating it to emulate it, not doing mm-hmm. it because it enhances the story. Because like he yeah. used it in a time where it was still early, pretty early in their um, in their close relationship. And he was showing that they were a couple even though they weren't mm-hmm. a couple yet because it wasn't mm-hmm. just split screen he, it's split screen done in a way that makes it look like they're in the same place it made it look like they were leaning their head on each other's shoulders yeah but split yeah. screen yeah and it draws that connection and i think in addition you know yeah it makes them look like they're a couple but at the same time it also makes them it also reinforces the idea that they're not mm-hmm. together and I think that's part of the brilliance of it in in what he's doing there. And yeah, I think that so there's so many elements of this movie and we could probably name a thousand of them that they people have tried to emulate because what I think of what you talked about earlier with the feeling of like that warm fuzzy feeling at the end of the movie people want that and they want to make their audiences feel that but that isn't something that can be contrived by mixing it's not an ingredients thing you know <laughs> it's not we were talking about before how you were uh before we got on here we were talking about uh you cooking it's not like cooking it's it's not like you put all these ingredients into a bowl and out comes a warm and fuzzy although movie. sometimes the whole process you have does to, take two and a half hours Though sometimes the whole process does take two and a half hours. But it it you have to have solid characters, and that's where this movie succeeds. That's where Nora Ephron's movies succeed, is giving us characters that we latch onto, and not just the main characters. 
you know, Carrie Fisher's character in this movie is mm-hmm. great. Yeah. And she, the, the line, the conversation that she keeps repeating, he's never going to leave his wife. I know. I know you're right. You're always right. And the fact that that's, repeat, you know, like they just, they drive that home so well, but yeah, I mean, like she is not, you know, she's an engaging character and we care about her character. We care about Bruno Kirby's character. Like, that's what makes the movie effective. We want to see Harry and Sally get together because we like them as characters, not because, oh man, we got 10 more minutes of runtime. We need these characters to get together. I thought that dynamic um, and the way they use that to um, reflect and contrast at the party when Harry and Sally both have uh, dates and they just, I mean, they to put it simply they say the opposite of each thing that comes up i mean that's obviously the definition of contrast mm. of contrast uh, <laughs> but yeah they were they were able to um prod harry and sally forward where mm-hmm. a lot of characters would have but not done it as well and it gave you a it gave you a success relationship already so it gave you something to be excited for. Yeah, it yeah, I agree. And it and it kind of works ironically in the sense of like they're trying to set each other up and they want each other to be happy, so they give each other these people. Oh wait, no, they they like each other. And so now it's just Harry and Sally and they're like refusing to get together, but their friends are together, so like what are we gonna do? And like I, I think that adds uh adds to it um, a lot so this is a movie that is known for iconic scenes Um, and and I think obviously Nora Ephron and Rob Reiner that's kind of what they do are like obviously they craft really and and I think this is part of the genius of them is that they craft really great stories but then also they craft really great scenes Mm -hmm. And and I their team up does that, um, but also you know Rob Rob Reiner does it in Princess Bride. There are great scenes mm-hmm. in Princess Bride that just work on their own, and then they're put into this bigger piece that works better. And same with a movie like You've Got Mail. Nora Ephron puts these characters in and or these scenes in, and then in the end they form an even better whole. So. My question for you is what is tell me about just just one. We'll start with one of your favorite scenes from When Harry Met Sally and why. Ooh, that's that's hard. My one of my favorite lines at least is when Harry is talking with Helen. They're at like the video store or whatever and uh she's leaving and she they're talking and like she's leaving and she says we'll see you and he just says yeah bye i just love i love how just yep bye how how just how just done with the conversation he was from the from the beginning um yeah as for favorite scenes i really like um i really like him in the at the batting cage with his friend 
um because he's talking mm -hmm. about obviously this is he's enjoying being with sally um as a friend and he's talking about how he's grown so much and then the little kid comes and is like hey man get out of there you've been there for a while and they go back and forth about who was there <laughs> first and billy devolves into a little kid and then he finally kind of scares the kid away and he goes back and, he, and he's like what what were we talking about oh yeah my growth and then they just keep going <laughs> yeah yeah i that's that is a brilliantly and it, and it goes back we've talked about this before um but i really like dialogue heavy stuff you a little bit less so if i, if I remember yeah i don't want to speak no, for yeah. you but <laughs> but i really like dialogue heavy stuff so the fact that this movie is so clever and quick-witted with the dialogue but in a way that feels natural in like that situation you know I, I love that. I think it's so brilliant. I love it. I think uh, if I had to pick a favorite scene, I would go actually with the one that you were referencing earlier with your favorite line. Uh, and it's, it's very hard for me not to just say the whole movie right now, but like the, they're in this like radio, uh, radio shack kind of thing. And they're singing into a karaoke machine. Uh, Sorry with the fringe on top. Oklahoma and I just think everything about that scene is so well constructed both in how it's written and how it's shot in that you don't see Helen you watch Harry see Helen and then he, him processing everything and Sally being confused and I think it really puts you in the shoes of Sally in that scene of watching Harry freeze and then see something and and clam up and then connecting all of the dots um I think it's great and then also the button on that scene of uh yeah see it cool and then moving on um is just great and then I think also how that like weaves into the next scene which I think is something that we as writers I try to consider I don't know if I do it super well but trying to consider as we write scenes that blend together is like how do these scenes blend together and how does it move the story forward and that scene does brilliantly everything that a scene mm -hmm. should do um, one of the cool things about what you pointed out about it's seeing Harry react um, a technique they teach in film school is you show something and then you show the reaction to it um, because you want to see the actor's reaction and you need to know what they're reacting to. But they opted out of that, obviously by choice, because it's not about Helen, it's about Harry. And so mm -hmm. Billy Crystal was able to carry it without showing Helen until she actually walks up. And there, there's a good possibility that there was an earlier shot of helen like they they probably got a shot of helen walking up um mm -hmm. oh, and yeah. then in the editing rob reiner just nixed that but i think it's i think it works better this way than if they had a shot and then reaction shot i agree i think that there's a point where because we are 
as a culture pretty literate in like the grammar of film of like shot reverse shot reaction shots like we know the rhythm and pacing of a movie and so when a movie doesn't give us that there's something unsettling about that and i think that you know you can have filmmakers who come in and say i'm going to be different and i'm going to flout convention but flouting convention really only is beneficial if there's some sort of convention mm-hmm. if that makes sense you can only you should only break the rules once you know the rules and i think when it comes to certain films only if you've followed them to a mm-hmm. certain extent yeah you know the not like watching harry's face change and not knowing what he's looking at does two things one it builds suspense because we what's he looking at what caused him to do that but number two it it makes us uneasy a little bit because that's also a longer mm-hmm. shot we're you know we're used to shots being shorter so when it holds out for a little bit longer than we're used to everything kind of gets uncomfortable and like that scene in particular the pacing of the cuts is pretty quick leading up you know it's quick it's fun but then it holds and then it holds and it holds and it holds and that allows a you know it's a good moment for your actors it gives them a moment to really show their chops but then it also gives us a moment as we're taking it in to like process what he's doing and what he's saying yeah one other thing i i like about that scene is i'm gonna i'm gonna go out on a limb and say Helen probably thinks that Harry was with his new girlfriend or whatever. Um, yeah. It never yeah. comes up there. Harry and Sally's relationship never comes up in that conversation. But I mean, if I hadn't seen somebody in a while, if I like, if I hadn't seen somebody I was in a relationship in a while, and then I see them there with somebody of the opposite sex, I'm probably going to assume that they're together. Especially if they're singing a duet into a karaoke machine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And with Harry's reputation as a womanizer, like there's, there's no reason for Harry to just be a friend with a girl from everybody's perspective. No, I agree. And I think, I think that adds a lot to the scene because it, it, because it isn't spoken of, there's this like underlying tension of like, are are you going to introduce me to this person that you're with? Like, is, is that going to happen? And it doesn't. And I think that adds so much to the scene because there's this, you know, he's introduced to Ira, which what a name. It's the name of my firstborn child <laughs> right there. Um, And, you know, they're introduced to Ira and then uh, she's, kind of caught off guard because she doesn't get introduced to Sally and and it's very clear that Harry d- does not want to talk to her at all <laughs> he he doesn't want to introduce her to his dog like that he's just done can I just say that like I do not know why Helen left Harry for that man like <laughs> it's money yeah but even i don't know like billy crystal has the hair he looks younger 
I don't know. He's kind of he's kind of a like a jerk. But yeah, overlooking that, like I I don't assume that Ira's a stand a super stand-up guy considering he had an affair. Yeah. I mean, it's a safe bet if you have an affair, probably not good. I I think and this this goes back to kind of Nora Ephron's shtick, but like you're kind of dealing with this like weird upper middle class uh New York white people and those are not people that I even try to pretend to understand. Sure. That's a good point. Uh yeah. so <laughs> So uh I I'm not gonna even pretend to try to describe why Helen left Harry because I I don't know and honestly I don't care. <laughs> you know, I think one of the things this movie does so well is really gives Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan a chance to shine. You know, Meg Ryan is just, she is the queen of this kind of movie. Um, And this movie proves it. She just, she comes in and she knows how to play innocent, demure, you know, not airhead, but just, she's, so endearing. Yeah, she's she's not she's not dumb. She's just she's just a bit naive. Exactly. Exactly. And and it's funny because she has this way of making you emotionally connect with her and laugh at her at mm-hmm. the same time. Um which is I I think a pretty difficult thing to pull off. Like you can either be funny or you can be heart-wrenching. And make me feel sad, but you can't do both. Like not at the same time. It de- it really depends but, on the context. Yeah, that's true as well. And I think again that pays toward the writing here. Um, but the scene where Harry is holding her while they're sitting on her bed, and you know you you feel sad for her, and then she turns up and she looks at me, and I'm gonna be forty, not yet, but someday. Mm. And like you, you laugh, yeah. like, and, but at the same time, and and I think that it's a testament to the writing and the directing, but also just her ability to pull off that line in the midst of this mm-hmm. scene. Also, while 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 we mentioned their age, can I just say, the hair and makeup and costume department did a fantastic job at showing them age. Oh yeah, and like de-aging oh, them yeah. and then properly aging them, like it was mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. It was. It was. I almost feel like the the flashbacks later on in the movie to when they were younger were just a flex to show off how good (laughs) the hair and makeup and all that was. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it is. It is so incredibly effective, um, because you really do believe, like, you really believe that Billy Crystal is younger in that in that opening scene and. It, his acting obviously helps with that um and but his wardrobe and makeup is just great and hair yeah as well. like i i don't necessarily believe that he would like this was his undergrad but i could he definitely looked like graduate school age at which is is pretty definitely. pretty close to undergrad unless you obviously mm-hmm. go back to school but um yeah yeah, and then and 
and even though even if he doesn't specifically look college age he looks noticeably younger and noticeably differently aged in all of the different eras and that's just incredible i was Mm -hmm. blown away by that yeah yeah i i mean there's very little to dislike about this movie um i think that it is one of those that just has aged perfectly um and it falls in the line of the screwball comedy i think so Mm -hmm. well i i wouldn't classify this movie as a screwball comedy i don't think that it it moves as quickly and ridiculously as some of those do but but it definitely owes a lot to that style of filmmaking um and, and just yeah i think that it's something that is so rare in especially now in that it is quality writing quality acting quality direction quality cinematography even um i mean do we just need to talk about how iconic the shot of them walking through new york in the fall mm. is like that is that is just quintessential it's a, a desktop background right there it is it <laughs> It is a desktop background right there, but it's so great. And it's, it, it's rare that we get all of that and it be something that is crowd pleasing mm-hmm. and fun for more than just like three people and it's accessible and anyone can pop it in. It's short and it's enjoyable. And I, I think that this movie is very, very effective at that. One of the questions I don't know if you get asked this, uh, but I get asked like top five movies like all the time. And I used to hesitate. I, I, I'd only seen this once before and I wouldn't put this on that list, but after seeing it again, Mm. I might. Yeah. I don't know. It would definitely, I think this definitely makes it into my top 10. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not exactly sure because this, it's not my go-to movie genre. It's not quite in my top, top. Um, but it's, it's a darn good movie. Yeah. I think, I think for me, the thing that I keep coming back to is that like warm, fuzzy feeling that we talked about. I, I think that you just nailed in that sentence. I think you just nailed why this movie is so successful, uh, because it is so enjoyable and accessible to literally anyone. And when you finish it, you're just like, yeah, that Mm. felt good. Yeah. That that felt good, and it doesn't feel like like junk food for your brain. Right, it's not insult. It's not like condescending. It's not um, just mm-hmm. oh, they try and fall in love and then it doesn't work and then it does work. Like it's it's not it's not a Hallmark movie. I was just thinking the same thing. I may offend some people here because it's a good movie. <laughs> No, look. See, here's the deal. We're we're almost uh, 41 minutes into this podcast, so we can we can say whatever we want. Like the people, the only people listening now are like with us, you know. It's a good point. <laughs> so, yeah, no, but it's not a Hallmark movie in that, not just that it's good, um, and Hallmark movies aren't, but I feel like like the Hallmark movie, the romantic comedy that they are. Like Hallmark movies, are those films, those movies are basically they owe a debt to movies like 
when Harry met mm-hmm. Sally. And in a way, they're doing that thing of emulating. They, they want to be like that movie, and they want to be as memorable as that movie. But the difference is that when Harry Met Sally is about two characters that we like and that we care about falling in love. The movie is not these two characters are going to fall in love, which is what a Hallmark movie is. A Hallmark movie is here's a guy. He's good looking. He's white and rich. Here's a girl. She's good looking. Her boyfriend sucks. Oh, they broke up. What is she going to do but fall in love with this random dude that she met? Like, the romance, them falling in love, is, like, the driving force Mm -hmm. of the movie. We don't... the, The internal motivation is the same. The character is basically the same. But with When Harry Met Sally, you have these two deeply complex characters that we explore for, like, an hour before they even get to the point of even coming close Mm -hmm. to being in love so yeah we're excited that they're in love but the reason that we're excited that they're in love is because we've been on this journey with them and them falling in love is the culmination of their journeys not the point of the movie right and even like the first quarter to a third of the movie they barely know each other barely tolerate each other and don't really spend time with each other other than when they have to. Yeah. And and that's that's fairly typical for romantic comedy and again I think that those romantic comedies are borrowing from When Harry Met Sally. But so much about this movie is what's the motivation of Harry? He like he needs attention and he needs to work out the fact that he's angry. Well, what's Sally's thing? She doesn't talk about anything. And it's killing her inside. So only when they have worked through that do they end up together. Only when Harry does something selfless for Sally. As a friend. Not even trying to get to her. When he does something selfless for a woman that isn't about him ultimately having sex at the end of the night. And when she is able to actually be open and vulnerable about what she's feeling. That's when they fall in love. Not when they were carving pumpkins. Or when they went Christmas tree shopping. (laughs) So I I think the fact that it's it's a real emotional crux that this movie is built on. And the characters have actual flaws. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be honest, Mm -hmm. I don't watch a lot of Hallmark movies, so... Most of what I'm going off. I watch more than both of our fair share. Um, So this is all on speculation, but from what I have seen of them, if the characters have flaws, they're really, really weak, really lame, boring flaws. But in this movie, they have actual flaws. Harry Mm -hmm. is super obsessed with sex. He... Mm -hmm doesn't actually respect women a whole lot and he is generally self-centered and abrasive sally is naive and bottles things up and avoids confrontation Mm -hmm. 
And and that's why these characters are so compelling is because we want to see them overcome this this issue that they have. We want to see them grow and we want to see them change. And that's what makes movies good is they can see that. and we can identify flaws in ourselves in these yeah. characters. You know, we can identify with these characters because they are real and mm-hmm. genuine. Like the problem isn't, well, she has to move back home to help with her mom's bakery for Christmas. Like, okay, but what about mm-hmm. her? Like, what is it within her that is causing her to need something? What is the central, what is the intention of this character? To borrow from Aaron Sorkin's masterclass mm-hmm. yet again. What is the intention of the character and what is stopping her from getting it? So with When Harry Met Sally, Sally, well, she has a, her intention is just like to be. What does she need? I guess is a little bit of a better way to sum up this film. She needs to be able to be vulnerable with someone else. Okay, so what's stopping her from getting that? Herself. So how is she going to realize that? And then I'd say Harry's need is true, true connection, um, like a yeah. deep, a true deep connection. And he is also keeping himself from that. Yeah. And so only when they can kind of overcome themselves with the help of each other, are they able to do anything else? And that's just real life, man. <laughs> Yeah. There's a reason that this is one of the greatest uh, kind of films in the last 30 years or so um, and why people enjoy it so much. And I, I think that it really connects with people. I love it. So, Zach, what, how, many, how many stars do you give this give movie? I'm going to give it four because it's... Four? Yeah, four because it's really well done. It's yeah, I'm gonna give it a four because it's really well done and it's beautiful and it's funny. It's a little just a little slow at times, but overall it's phenomenal. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm gonna give it five. Uh for me it just checks all my boxes as far as what I want out of a movie of a movie. Uh it's well acted, it's well written, it's well directed, and then it also just it, it hits that emotional, not gut punch, gut punch is probably the wrong word, but like that emotional note that uh, I want out of a film. That's great. Would you rewatch this movie? Absolutely. Even yeah. even without being with somebody else. We, we've said it a bunch, but like it, it's that perfect. I've had a bad day. I want to just watch a movie. Let me, let me put on When Harry Met Sally. Mm-hmm. Cool. Why don't you recommend something for me? My recommendation is another Rob Reiner movie. Um, We talked about it a little bit in this. It's The Princess Bride. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I grew up watching this um, more than I'd like to divulge. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Enough is the answer. Enough. Enough. Uh, Almost enough. (laughs) and it's another heartwarming tale um it's 
about true love and swashbuckling and swashbuckling in the midst of true love and true love flourishing in the midst of swashbuckling. Um, it's hilarious. It's beautiful. It's Carrie Elwes. Which is hilarious and beautiful. And it's written by William Goldman, the king. So Indeed. Well, it's funny. We did not talk about this before. I just want that stated what our recommendations were for this week. Because my recommendation is also a Rob Reiner film. Uh, my recommendation is The American President. Uh, which is written by Aaron Sorkin. Uh, it stars Michael Douglas and Annette Bening and Martin Sheen who would later go on to play the president in another Aaron Sorkin thing. So uh, highly, highly recommend it. Uh, it's about the president falling in love. And what is what is better than that? Well, that just about wraps us up. Zach, what is the plan for next week? Next week, we'll be watching The Edge of Seventeen. It's an A24 movie directed by Kelly Craig. Um, yeah, it's got uh, Haley Seinfeld and Woody Harrelson, and you're going to hear a lot more about that next week. Well, that sounds great. We'll be talking about Edge of 17 next week. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram. You can follow me at Seth Scruggs. You can follow Zach on Twitter and Instagram at Bashful Coyote. Uh, you can also follow mark spots the x which is just kind of our name for ourselves and all the things that we do you can follow us on instagram at mark spots the x dot productions uh and there you can catch all the stuff that we're working on both this podcast and other things because we do other things too so uh check it out and zach i'll talk to you next week all right see you